Hello again, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. I am the great Brian Last, and I am joined, as always, by Mike Mills. Mike, are you ready for another action-packed episode of Mid-South Wrestling, this one being from February 27th, 1982? I am. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the runaway train that uh, was Dusty Rhodes in this week's episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Oh, God. Uh. I miss Bill Watts already. This episode is Dusty Rhodes as commentator, not Bill Watts. And it's just not the same thing. And we're not going to have <laughs> as much audio to play this week because there's only so much of Dusty on commentary that I could take. Uh, but we'll play the intro here, Mike, and we'll hear what Boyd Pierce and Dusty have to say at the top of the show. I want to make special mention about Boyd's outfit. Now, he always wears an amazing outfit. This one, I don't even know how to describe it. There are roses on his wrist his underarm, his lapels, and then like his tie and his like shirt goes around so that there's stems coming off of each one. And then his tie and his shirt are coordinated with the jacket. It is the single most ridiculous of all the outfits I've seen him wear. It is uh, immaculate and glorious. And I will point out that when I was taking notes and preparing for this, uh, this episode, uh, if you go to my Twitter account and scroll through my media posts and pics and whatnot, I posted the pic of Boyd and Dusty uh, to, to peek behind the curtain. This was on November the 21st of 2017. And you are correct. It's big long stem roses on Boyd's suit and Dusty Rhodes is sitting there. And I think at one point he sucks his teeth like while Boyd is opening up the show, uh, not to give some bad audio there, but yes, Boyd's uh, outfit is, is immaculate as, as always. I mean, you know, sometimes he's shiny, Brian gold or silver. And other times he's, you know, a basket full of roses here or a vase full of roses, so to say. Dusty's wearing a leather jacket and what appears to be either a cowboy hat or a top hat akin to Slash, but I think it's probably more likely a black cowboy hat. But let's now listen to this introduction of the program and hear what Boyd and Dusty have to say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action lined up as matchmaker Grizzly Smith presents another outstanding card. It'll be headlined with the North American heavyweight title on the line, Ted DiBiase, the current champion, defending against the former title holder, the Masked Grappler. Also, Paul Arndorf is here, Coco Samoa, Mr. Olympia, the Mississippi heavyweight champion, Bruiser Bob Sweetan, the junkyard dog, Brian Blair, and somebody else is here. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest grapplers of all times in the ring, outside the ring, the American dream, the living stardust, and he's our guest commentator of the week, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty? Well, boy, it's my pleasure to be with the dean of color. I mean, if you're talking about color, if you ain't got a color set, go out and steal one. You know what I'm saying? Get one. Boyd Pierce, the Dean of Color commentator, Dusty Rose American Dream, the Golden Boy Miss South Wrestling, here to commentate, to help you on the on the ins and outs, and there's a great match today between the Grappler and Ted DiBiase. When you got two champions, one current and one ex-champion, you always got to fight to the finish, and I'm looking forward to that, and I'm just ready to go, Jack, and I'm going to take my hat off so all the pretty ladies can see my million-dollar smile on my face while we're going through this. Thank day. you, Dustin. Right. Let's go to the ring now for the introduction of the opening event. All right, we'll stop it there. Uh, there's really not too much to say that Dusty puts over the color of Boyd's outfit. He calls him the Dean of Color, as opposed to the Dean of Wrestling Commentators, Gordon Soley. Boyd Pierce is the Dean of Color itself. Yeah, Dean's, he's the Dean of Color. And uh, Brian, did you catch Dusty right there say, if you ain't got a color set, 
go out and get you one. Um, for younger listeners out there, uh, I know this may seem obvious, but he's talking about the television. Because back in the day, uh, my folks would call the TV the set in the South. At least that's the way it was described in my household. It would be, don't. it wasn't turn the TV off, it was turn the set off or turn the set down. So he's talking about the, uh, go get you a color set, as Dusty said. I thought that was mildly amusing. Uh, maybe I'm easily entertained, Brian. Your story was just about as entertaining as this opening match will be. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the opening match on this show is Larry Higgins versus Coco Samoa with referee Alfred Neely. Uh, Dusty is just on fire here, Mike. We're not going to play any of this because we care about our listeners, but Dusty puts over amateur wrestling. And the most important thing about this match, I thought, was that the old man who's always in the front row with the white cowboy hat actually talks to the woman next to him so it gives gives us a little bit of a clue we can never tell is he there by himself is he with the other old people he's actually having a conversation with the woman next to him this episode yeah and he uh i think he does it again in another match he does he does the same thing again the lady next to him like like kind of leans into him and you can see him lean into her and he actually shows signs of life. Like, I mean, he's not jumping up and down, but the fact that he's acknowledging another human being and he's actually moving is pretty amazing to me. I caught that same thing. Not in this, not in this match, but I did catch it later on, which I- I'm sorry if it seems kind of crazy, but it really, it really was pretty amazing that we finally saw him interact with someone because we've been talking about how he just sits there and just doesn't do anything. He's just kind of just randomly just, you know, watching with his cigarette and that's it. I was especially intrigued because the first time the woman next to him spoke to him, he didn't say anything. He didn't even flinch. And I'm like, ooh, this is so interesting. This guy doesn't even talk to the people that talk to him. And then the second time, you actually see his mouth open a little bit. So it's like, okay, he did communicate back to uh, the little old lady next to him. And again, it's just like a sea of old ladies in the first and second row this week. And uh, it's pretty funny to see. And then this guy's just, he looks like he's all stuffed in right in between them. But back to the match. Uh, it's an okay match. Coco Samoa wins with a second rope splash, but it's not just like a super fly splash. It's almost like he does like a spread eagle splash off the second rope. It cracked me up. I watched it a couple of times in a row because it made me laugh so much. Yeah, it's exactly what he does. And I mean, look, it's Higgins and Coco Samoa. I mean, not to down Coco Samoa at all or Higgins. It's just... Opening match, I mean, crowd wasn't too much into it. They got into it a couple of times when Coco Samoa, you know, he laid in a couple of chops and different moves and kicks. But for the most part, you're right, man. Not much there. Uh, the splash was as you described. He, he kind of like completely spread out uh, from the second rope because, remember, you can't go off the top in Mid-South Wrestling. And with that, <laughs> we'll move on to yeah. the next match. Uh, Paul Orndorff versus your favorite Frank Monty. Yeah, he's got a uh, he's got some red tights on this time, or, or close to red, I guess I would call it. Uh, he's he's not in uh, he's not in brown. He doesn't look as dull, although he's not as flavorful as uh, he could be with his or colorful as he could be. It's all now. It's all about the haircut and the mustache. But you know, speaking of hair, one thing I noticed here: if you have ever seen Paul Orndorff in the WWF, this is Paul Orndorff before he started shaving everything. He looks like the Wolf Man. He's covered in hair. You know, he's growing like facial hair. He has hair all over his chest and his and his shoulders. 
I never realized just how hairy he was. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's, got, he, he's got his uh, he's got his uh, Robert Gibson thing going with the uh, with the chest. I mean, he's not he's not. Let, let, let me be clear. If you're not watching along with us, he, he doesn't look like Dutch Mantel uh, with the hair on the back and whatnot. Uh, but uh, he he's got the Robert Gibson thing going. Would, would you agree with that, Brian, where, you know, the, the, the chest hair is kind of just starting to it's you're starting to be able to comb it on Orndorff there? I guess I never thought of it as the Robert Gibson thing. Oh, you so, never think of it like that, Robert no. Gibbs? <laughs> I usually I don't, don't think of it at all. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't fantasize about <laughs> it at night. But I mean, what I'm saying is, I mean, I, I can. I just. I'm picturing. Maybe it's because I'm picturing Robert well, Gibson right now. Yeah. What are you picturing do the, Robert Gibson right now? Well, no, I do the. Uh, I do the Smoky Mountain reviews, obviously, and and um, Robert Gibson is is not old at this point in Smoky Mountain in '93, but he's he's very hairy. Again, he's not Dutch Mantel hairy, but he's he's got he's got a bit of an ape suit, so to say. He's he's it's 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 nice and fluffy. It's not it's not completely manicured. <laughs> well, we'll move on here. Uh Dusty Dusty's all over the place again. Orndorff's hairy and Dusty's all over the place. Uh let's just give you a small, small sample of Dusty in action on commentary. Jacket and you can hear Paul Orndorff making challenges over here to my sidekick. Dusty Rhodes, but he has a match in the ring right now against Frank Monty, and that'll give him plenty to worry about. He's got a match with a, a tremendous athlete who he got a match with. You know, he better worry about Frank Monty. Conditioning, I know Frank's in the gym the other morning. I was out doing road work, and I know Frank that uh, was on his way to the gym, and he's down there. He's always working out. He's always looking for an upset. Paul Andolph is, is, is trying to say that he's the number one wrestler in the state and in the country, and uh, he's got to prove it a little bit more. You know, he's a great athlete. He was a great football player. Paul Andolph See the moves that he's got. They both quick. We're watching now it's two guys that are in prime, great condition, and are super quick. And I just like to say real quick, uh, a good hello to my old friend Mark Kelly down at Vendo's Truck Stop down by Turkey Creek, Louisiana. Came through there the other night, had a couple brew with her. Say hello to Ma. Anyway, right here you're gonna see Frank Martin now got the upper hand here, uh, and 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 Paul Ondolf. There you go, Simon Kelly. That's a, that's a nice going there. Get down to him. Frank counted it. Got him now. Got him now. And uh, uh, scissors right up both of them. Look how quick they are. Look at that. I'm telling you, now, Frank Martin don't take no for an answer. Monty coming back with that arm drag and holds on to Paul Ondolf. Dusty certainly mastered the Watts technique of just saying hello to whoever you want to in the middle of the show. <laughs> yeah. It was the guy from the truck stop. What was that? I, I, he said something about Turkey Creek and, and he said something about, uh, I, I didn't catch the name of the area or location, but yeah, I mean, he's in the middle of, he, look, it, He's talking about Orndorff worrying about his opponents trying to call, and then he's trying to call the moves, and then he's uh, he, like no transition, just immediately to I, I need to thank my friend that uh had to did this truck stop on Turkey Creek, and we had a couple of brews. What? Did no, no, no. He said he came out and had a couple of brews, as if he left his stop, his store, to go have a couple of drinks with Dusty. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, um. He's just a runaway train here, uh, Dusty. That's not this even the most ridiculous thing. The most ridiculous thing is Dusty saying he ran into Frank Monty the other day when Dusty was doing road work. What yeah. are the chances Dusty was running along the side of the road in Mid-South uh, when he ran into Frank Monty? I mean, I'm not trying to – I love Dusty. I was, I was a big Dusty fan as a kid. I don't know if Dusty's going to be running on the side of anybody's road. Yeah, no, he ain't doing road work. <laughs> he was driving by, and he's like, look at Frank Monty. He's all in red. He looks dull. <laughs> <laughs> 
boy. Good old Dusty. <laughs> I told you, man, he was wearing me out during this episode. I love Dusty Rhodes. I will always love Dusty Rhodes. His, his feud with Flair. Uh, but Dusty on commentary by himself, not as a color man. I mean, I, I've heard people criticize his color commentary, but it, it, he's not a play-by-play. And this was, this was just a runaway train. That it was, and Paul Orndorff won, not with his usual pile driver or with the figure four, but with a power slam. I guess just because. And uh, from there, we actually do go to what could be a main event match in Mid-South, Mike. Yeah, the grappler versus Ted DiBiase for the North American title. Uh, just real quick, Brian, because I know you. I think you got a, a bit of a soundbite to play for us. But if you ever want to see, like, of everything in this episode, if you ever want to see what Mid South Wrestling is about, you tune into this match and watch the grappler and Ted DiBiase. I mean, they they're these guys just know what they're doing. They they make each other look so good. I, I just feel like DiBiase and Grappler, both of them selling, both of them registering, both of them just working together with each other. I, I truly thought for a TV match, not a long, uh, very, very long match, but long enough so that it was very entertaining. And just two two pros, man, just two people that you look back into the history of Mid-South Wrestling and, and th- these guys are just, they're, they're it. They have it. And they they know how to put on a good show out there. That they do. And you mentioned that audio clip. Let's go to that right now. We're going to see a great match. I can, I can tell this right now. Not only that, Dusty, but you know, as being a champion and then you being a former champion, always in your mind is to regain that belt. And that's what's in the grapple. He has an opportunity right you know now. It. There'll be nothing but solid wrestling in this title match, I guarantee you. You know it, sweet color. You know it. You're talking, you're telling it like it is. That's the way and ever. If you don't want to regain a title after you lose it, you shouldn't be, you should be in some other sport like football or something. Be doing something that's not quite as hard. You said TBIC here is just uh, really fine on him now. He knows. He knows that this man has held the North American heavyweight title. Nice five and carriage right there. Got to hold. Stay, stay on that arm. Now, that arm is hurt. That arm, uh, he's pulling on that arm. And, and there's no use to go about trying to get something else because he's got that arm going. He knows it's hurt. And if you break a man down a little bit at a time, you start with his arm, you start with his leg, you start with his back. Wherever you start, you stay on it because a full man can beat you, but a half a man can't. And that's the way it is, Jack, in the world of survival. See, see what the grapple going to do here. Whoa, I caught him right in the gut there. Caught him right in the gut. There's just a little example of Dusty calling the match. Uh, did you hear Dusty? Did just like a full man can beat you, but a half man can't? Like, did you catch that line? I, uh, I did catch that line. What do you think he's referring to? <laughs> well, I mean, sure, a full man, you know, can beat you and a half man can't. I mean... I, but it just it struck me as what is he talking about? You know, uh, and like here's the thing about Dusty. He doesn't have a cadence. It's just like he's not coming up for air during his commentary. And that, like that's the bigger issue. Uh, Watts, for what it's worth. And, you know, we've we've talked about Bill Watts and how he, he goes off on a tangent and starts thanking people, starts thanking the high schools in Oklahoma and whatever else. Watts is like real slow and methodical. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way when I say slow, but he like paces himself. Dusty's just there is not a breath being taken. It's just bing, 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 bing. When it comes to the, what's coming off the top of his head, and it's just flowing. Uh, so I have no clue what he meant by a full man can beat you and a half man can't. Uh, but you know, 
was what it was. This was a good match, I will tell you that much. It was a really good match, a good back-and-forth match, and, of course, the grappler, one of the things that he had always was a loaded boot, and it would come into play here at the finish, and let's actually listen to the finish of this match. Going down just a little bit now, Tad's a turn. That's just don't let him get disqualified there, Teddy. Don't let him get disqualified. The referee got that. Hey, loading up the shoe. That's, yeah, that exactly. is, that's it. Man, I mean, that's that's the whole ball of wax right there. Now, you're going to tell me a man has got a prescription, like from a drug? Look at him unloading that thing. I know what's going through that. He nearly tore Ted DiBiase's leg off right there. Ted DiBiase is in a lot of trouble, boy, right here on this TV. Mid-South Sports is bringing it to you, and my friend, he is in a lot of trouble right here. The grappler knows what he's doing now. There you go, Teddy. Try to pick himself up, but that leg is hurt. Definitely injured right there. I mean, that leg is hurt, baby. I mean, I don't know whether a sledgehammer in there or whatever he's got, but I know he's hurt the tendons and then that knee. And Teddy's in a lot of pain right now. Can't even get up off the mat. Look at the big guy going up to the top. Teddy pulling himself up right here. Look at here, look at here, boy. Teddy's going, I believe he's going to take him off the top. Stand him up, Teddy. There he goes. Watch your knee. The knee went out on him right there. Oh, no, Teddy. The knee went out on him right there. All right, again. Watch him, man. Look at him. Watch out. Get up, Teddy. He went for it again. He's got it loaded. He went for it again. Teddy's going up. Get out in there, ref. Dive down in there. That one. There it is. It's all over. I like it. I like it. Beautiful. Beautiful. A beautiful move by injured champion. I like it. Who retains the North American Heavyweight Championship, Ted DiBiase. Loading up the shoe, loading up the boot. There he is, the fallen challenger in the ring, the mask rapper. But Ted DiBiase, the champion, will be back. Well, there it is. DiBiase retains with a belly-to-back suplex on the grappler. Really good match. Really good uh, last few minutes of the match, especially, but uh, a good back-and-forth TV match. Yeah, and you can hear it. I mean, you heard the crowd at the end, too. They erupted. They were enjoying it. They were, uh, to me, they were like that throughout. Once they got going, probably about two minutes in, the crowd was into it. I mean, they... They know who DiBiase is, obviously. They know who the grappler is. And, and you, you got this match sandwiched into the middle of this card. I mean, this is this is a main event match anywhere in the country at that time. And these two guys are out there, and they're, they're doing their thing. And crowd was into it. Crowd enjoyed it. And DiBiase got the win. Real good stuff. I loved Dusty's comment when Dusty said, does he have a prescription for that? I can't do Dusty's voice, but uh, does he have a prescription for that? I'm, I'm having trouble getting it out. But is that Mike Tyson or Dusty? What was that? Uh, I can't, I can't get it out, but uh, Dusty, Dusty questioning if he's got a prescription for the boot was, uh, was good. Well, we'll have to check with the athletic commission to see if there's any record of the grappler submitting a prescription for usage of that boot, but let's move on to the next match. Certainly not a main event anywhere in the country, Bob Roop versus Bill Ash, but this match does not take place as Bob Roop is somewhat annoyed, leading him to come over to the announce table and speak to Boyd Pierce and Dusty Rhodes. Let's listen to what happens, and Mike will talk about it on the other side. Blacksburg, Virginia, Bob Roop. As introduction of your next match, Bill Ash versus Bob Roop. Our first standby match. Wait a minute. Just a second. Boyd Pierce, you're a very understanding man, commentator. I don't know what I have to do. I might have to go over Grizzly Smith's head to the president of Mid-South. But you see, last week, I wrestled Ricky Ferrer. Now, he's tough, but he's not in my class. And this week, they got me wrestling Bill Ash. Now, he's tough, 
but he's also not in my class. I'm a world-class competitor. Where is Junkyard Duck? He's running from me with his Louisiana title. Where's Ted DiBiase? He's running with his title. Dusty Rose, two-time world champion. He's sitting here. He's not dressed to wrestle. He doesn't have to worry about me today. Where's the top people? I should be wrestling the top people in the country. Right here on the television, and I'm going to do something about it. Bob, like I've told Skandar Akbar, and I'll have to tell you, we have nothing to do with it here at our television table. You'll have to take it to Business Smith, the matchmaker. Let me tell you something about Bob Roop. You know, Justin, we're talking about the people. I was in San Diego the other day, California, coming through from Japan, and this two weeks ago, and I had to see Bob Roop talking about great talent and great people. I seen him get beat by the junkyard dog right on television in the middle of the ring. I mean, I seen him get what? beat. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did he say about me? Hey, he, said, I, he don't have to tell you what he said. I'll tell you what I said. I seen you two weeks ago get beat my brother, junkyard dog, right on the TV while I was laid up on the beach in San Diego. In San Diego? That's, that's it, baby. That's it. I seen oh, you get oh, beat. Oh, you think you're safe because you're sitting here without your rust? You think because you're commentating you're safe, huh? You can run your mouth. You can put your mouth in my business. I ought to slap your face, man. Why don't you come out and wrestle me? You got no guts? Come on, man. I ought to slap your face. What are you talking about? I ain't got no guts. What do you mean? A lot going on there. A lot going on there. Uh, Mike, before we talk about any of the details of it, why don't you give an overview and give your thoughts on this angle with Dusty and Bob Roop and Paul Orndorff? Well, I mean, so Roop's just out there to stir it up. And, I mean, he's interrupting this thing that started the next match to make a statement. You know, something I need to remind everyone uh, as we get into this is uh, – because I, I don't know if we've had this happen yet – uh, so much. I'm trying to remember uh, watching so much wrestling lately, but it, Watts had a rule if you were at the commentator table, and I think I think you've said this before, we have a $2,500 fine if you got involved in a match while you're at the commentator table. So 
it it takes a while, but things break down and and Dusty finally has had enough. Uh, but I was going to ask you a question about this uh, as we're talking about it. Something that I had in mind for you. It's been a long time since I've watched these, and you know, thirty five years is 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 a long time for something to age on you. Um, and as you get older, you start questioning things in your mind a lot more than you do when you're six and seven and when you're watching wrestling. So when I watch this, I'm thinking to myself, you know. Dusty supposedly is going to get fined here now because he he left he left a desk twenty five hundred bucks, but uh, I mean should he really be fined? I mean he was kind of he left the desk, but he didn't really throw the first blow. Orndorff, as he's standing in front of the desk, is the one who actually takes the initiative to make the contact. So I'm wondering in my mind, am I just overanalyzing it? Uh, is this uh, does this hold up as well as it did maybe when we were younger and watched this? I mean, now that we're older, we look at it, and sometimes I think we psychoanalyze these things. I'm wondering if we're just if I'm digging too deep into it, going, why is Dusty being fined here? I mean, he was just protecting himself, you know. The guy's trying to you know mess with him, and he gets up and he goes, "Hey, man, you know, chill out." And then out of the out of the, out of the darkness, Orndorff comes out and attacks him, and that's when Dusty punches Orndorff. And then Dusty gives Orndorff an elbow drop on the floor. Like that, that was something I was like, wow, look at that. Dusty did an elbow drop to the cement on Orndorff. That was impressive. They gave Bill Ash a shoulder breaker. Uh, you may be overanalyzing it. I don't don't know, but isn't that what we all do about professional wrestling? We overanalyze it to a ridiculous level. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't think Dusty deserved to get suspended, but they got to explain why he's going to Japan in March. So (laughs) you got to do something. Well, and then then, so the fine, I mean, and that's the thing. I wanted to put this into my inflation calculator. Twenty five hundred (laughs) bucks. I could do it on a fly right now. I wonder what that is back in 82, if you think about it. So twenty five, twenty five hundred dollars back in 1982. And so we're in February of 82. What that would equate to today. Any idea? Twenty five hundred February of 82, sixty two hundred. You're very close, Brian. It's sixty-five, a little over sixty-five hundred dollars. That's a, that's a pretty big fine for uh, leaving the desk. So, uh, you know, Watts was serious about his fines, though. I mean, literally. I mean, we're not just saying that to be funny. He was very serious about his fines. I mean, and punishing people for not doing what they were told. But anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm overanalyzing it, but uh, it's still good stuff. And you're right. You got to have a storyline to figure out how, why Dusty's gone. Well, remember a few weeks ago on TV, they mentioned that TV now aired in San Diego and Los Angeles, and Dusty makes mention that he stopped, he had a layover in San Diego coming back from Japan, and he saw Bob Roop on TV two weeks earlier, you know, saying something, and actually that adds up. Dusty was in Japan, the last date of his previous tour was February 11th, so actually he may really have been in San Diego seeing that television show. Huh, okay. Yeah, it lines up. Well, from there, we're going to move on to a uh, a match. Mr. Olympia, the Mississippi state champion, versus the Polish prince, Ed Wiskowski. I'll let you talk so about you, this, Mike. This you, you, were, you were watching this show, and when Ed Wiskowski was announced, and I know this is a family-friendly show, but you were like, oh, Ish, not this again. Not Ed Wiskowski. Did you get angry, Brian? I got, I got, I got to ask you. Were, you. were you upset? No, I actually have to say <laughs> it's the best Ed Wiskowski match we've seen on TV in the entire run we've watched so far. I actually thought it was the best back and forth match 
And I mean, a lot of that's because Olympia is really good, but I mean, he's so much bigger than Olympia. He's like the biggest guy on the roster other than Ernie Ladd and the one man gang, I guess, but he's so big, but it's actually the best match he's had on TV. It's his best match, but the crowd was dead. I mean, I don't know if the air came out from DiBiase and Grappler and Bob Roop and Dusty and Orndorff. That's not what brought me, the air out. That's not what drove the air out. It was Ed Wiskowski. Okay. <laughs> but you caught it, though. I mean, I, I'm, it sounded like you caught it, though, where, I mean, it wasn't until the end where Olympia rolls up Wiskowski and gets the win that the crowd erupted. I thought the whole time they were just out of it. I mean, Boyd is giving some commentary during the match. You know, he's kind of going over what, what happened with Dusty. But if you listen to it, the background, it's just, you know, everybody's just kind of sitting there like, all right, uh, what's next? Because we just saw two hot segments, you know, a match and then with Bob Roop and what's coming next? You know, what, what are we, what are we, what are we popping to next? And it wasn't this match and through no fault of, I don't want, I don't want to blame either of these guys. I mean, obviously Olympia is great, but uh, they were dead. It was, it was just, they were out of it. And that was that. Yeah. The fans just didn't really take to Ed Wiskowski this entire run down there. I mean, any of the matches we've seen with him on TV, even against like guys like DiBiase, they don't care enough to think he's a threat. And this match is okay, but again, they don't, they don't care enough. But like you said, even with that, they react to the pinfall. But let's listen to a little bit of this match. You made mention to the fact that Boyd recaps the fight we just saw between Dusty and Bob Roop and Paul Orndorff. Let's hear what Boyd Pierce has to say about that. Mr. Olympia versus the Polish Prince, Ed Miskowski, Olympia, the Mississippi heavyweight champion. Now for Neely, and I'm glad it was Reeser Bowden that did the introduction because I lost my voice in all the melee a while ago as our guest commentator was ployed away by Bob Roop away from the table, and he was warned. I tried to warn him and caught him, but he lost his clothes as they jerked and tore the shirt off his back on the cement floor. He lost his pride, and he might possibly be subject to the $2,500 fine that is in the rules as our guest commentator that no way they can leave our table to interfere in any match. And that's what Dusty Rhodes did. He just couldn't stand it, and Bob Roop ployed him away. So that'll have to be up to the Mid-South officials. But we lost our guest commentator as you saw him on the cement floor under the attack of the two men as he warded them off. And Bob Roop and Paul Orndorff strangled him with his own shirt as they tore it off of his back. Well, you hear a little bit of the recap there. Of course, they ripped off Dusty's shirt. He was left a pathetic mess on the cement, as Boyd Pierce would pronounce it. And uh, that's the highlight of this uh, Mr. Olympia Ed Wiskowski match. Olympia wins where they roll up a non-title match. Uh, Alfred Neely, the referee. Anything I'm forgetting, Mike? No, just like I said, you can hear it during the commentary. The crowd is dead, and I know that was the beginning of it, but it was a relatively short match. But yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing really major there. Olympia gets a win, which I guess is good. You know, he's a Mississippi State champ, so get him a win there over Ed Wiskowski. I can't remember how much longer Ed Wiskowski has. I feel like his end is coming, but I don't quite 100% remember at this point. So no, you did good. Uh, that was that, man. Uh, quick match. The next match, we have Bob Sweetan versus Tony Torres. I remember when I used to see Bob Sweetan in the wrestling magazines, Mike, before I ever actually saw him on TV. I just remember thinking, he looks kind of like a dirtbag Harley race. And that's exactly what he looks like. It turns out he really was a dirtbag. But that's exactly what he looks like here. He just looks like Harley Race's sloppy, destitute cousin. With the perm and just the gruff look. And it's just, a you know, it's a little match he... You know, beats uh, Tony Torres with a knee to the throat. Any notes you have on this? 
my note was Sweet Tan wins in a very uneventful match. I I can't really add much more than that. Well, it was so uneventful that once again, Boyd Pierce decided to recap the Dusty Rhodes brawl for us all over again. So let's hear that now. As I sit here wondering about my cohort and the man that's with me through the first four or five matches, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, he left after the attack by untimely attack by Bob Roop, who was scheduled to wrestle Bill Ash. He wasn't satisfied with his opponent. He badgered and deployed and decoyed and angered Dusty Rhodes and made him lose his cool. And Dusty entered into the fracas and therefore he's out of action as you saw Arndorf and Roop tear his shirt from his body and wrap it around, strangling him on the cement floor out in front of us. And Dusty left our table, therefore he's subject to a fine by Mid-South Wrestling. He lost his pride, he lost his shirt. But believe you me, there'll be a day of reckoning somewhere down the line, because I've seen this man when he started, I've seen him all the way to the championship, American Dream, Dusty Road. So Paul Arndar, Bob Roop, or anybody else that thinks he's a patsy in any way, I've got news for you. He may have embarrassed him, but he'll be there as he administered punishment to both men before they attacked him with his own shirt. You know, Boyd said there, Mike, that he had seen Dusty Rhodes since he first started. He actually, I believe, is telling the truth because Boyd was, I think, the ring announcer in Dallas when Dusty first started. See, I didn't know that. So, yeah, he w- he would have... Wow, that's a good that's a that's a good catch right there. I didn't realize that. Other than that, you have any uh, thoughts on Bob Sweet Dan versus Tony Torres? No, man, it was uh, uneventful. I mean, you can hear like here's the thing. Like, I, I I can't stress this enough. You can hear it whenever we throw it to these segments where either Boyd or Watts is given an update. You can hear the like the drop off in excitement. I mean, you heard the grappler match versus that DiBiase. You could hear the excitement. You can hear when Roop was out there with, with Dusty, man, the, these other matches. Yeah. I hate to say it. Cause mid South was uh, my pride and joy and I loved it, but you, you can hear how everybody's just dead. It's like, they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for something else. And, you know, sweet 10 and Tony Torres, unfortunately, we're, we're not going to give them uh, something else special here. I mean, I understand you got to fill up TV time with something. So it's just one of those things, but you know, here's, here's another example too, with Brian, where, we talk about Watts and we joke about him talking about Oklahoma and randomly, you know, just little things here and there. I mean, even Katsabula. Katsabula, uh, the Welcher. Right, right. You know, there, there's no there's no Watts here to reference Katsabulas and and whatever other random things come into Watts's head to to draw away from maybe the lack of excitement in the match to to put something else in the viewer's mind while they're watching a match that really doesn't have any long term meaning or implications. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely you definitely miss Watts here. You also definitely realize that although Mid-South is pretty stacked top of the card, the mid card and the lower mid card right here are really lacking. Guys like Ed Wiskowski, guys like Frank Monty. It's just you kind of you're at the point where you're tuning out, but you're kind of seeing this, the changeover in roster. You know, Olympia is getting big wins on TV. And I think as we get further into 1982, you'll see that the shows don't have as much that drags. Not that Mid-South has a terrible lot that does, because even the matches that the crowd isn't really reacting to, there's still something there to see. But the shows kind of from here, you know, for the next few years, they really start just to the point where you can't miss anything on the show. 
Yeah, in just a teaser for next week, you you you'll see, you kind of see that next week because one of the things that Mid South starts doing to kind of offset what I think you're seeing in this episode, where you got these matches that aren't that aren't you know they're not must see TV. They're they basically you know there's no implications down the line for any of these for a lot of these wrestlers. Is Watts starts doing it where there's a lot of. I'll call it recaps, but there's it's not really recaps. It's a he's telling a story in much of the beginning of the episodes. You see a little bit of that starting next week, and I can't remember long term when it really becomes real consistent. But it's a teaser into next week as as to them trying to tell a little bit more of a story than to giving us matches like this that like they just don't have any long term implications in the promotion. That's right, but the next match does, and the next match is a tag match with the champions. The Samoan Warriors, Afa and Sika, in a non-title match against the Junkyard Dog and a new tag team partner, Brian Blair. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about this on the show. Uh, what do you think about uh, JYD's generic music on the network that, that they oh have my used? God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what I thought it was, but when I watched this episode, because this is one that, unfortunately, we do not have handy with the original music, so we had only the WWE Network version of this episode. It is so hideous, and you're seeing all these people getting up and not just clapping and dancing along, but you see, like, white guys trying to move, like, get into it, and everyone <laughs> bites the dust, and you're just listening to this clown music or whatever it is, and it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. No wonder they fired Jim Johnson. No, <laughs> I don't know what this stuff is that they're playing, poor Jay. But uh, yeah, it's uh, when you think of the the greatness of another one bites the dust. To think of how good that song was for JYD to the to this generic music, it's like, eh, man, just kind of takes away from it. So we hadn't we we've talked about this offline. We've never talked about it on the show. I was curious on your thoughts on it. Yeah, hold on. Now let's play a little bit of it. Okay. This is a non-title tag team event for one fall or remaining television time. In the red corner at a total combined weight of 608 pounds, managed by General Skandor Akbar, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions, Appa and Sika, the Samoans. I got to stop this. What the f*** is this? <laughs> I guess that, that part right there where it breaks down all of a sudden and just gets 10 times worse. They got rid of another one bites the dust for this. It only took you 11 episodes to accidentally drop the F-bomb. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I will be bleeping that in editing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm usually I'm, I'm My mouth is much more foul than yours, but uh, anyone who listens to Book in the Territory knows that. But yeah, I dude, I remember, 
I think you and I were were like messaging it on Facebook one day when they they dropped a bunch of these eighty two episodes, and I was going back and watching them, and I was like, I don't know what. I mean, it was like I was in. It was like I was just like watching something, trying to figure out what the hell. Like, you remember another one bites the dust, and you hear JYD coming out to that, and you're like, what the hell am I watching? It's almost like an alternate reality, almost. Like, what? This is not. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's not two plus two is not equal one four here. There's something wrong with the universe. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just. Uh, another one bites the dust fit JYD so well. And this is, and the thing is, when you watch it on the network, you have no choice because it's the music that's on there. You're, you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. And I guess they don't have the rights to uh, grab them cakes anymore. So they can't even use that. So we get this, <laughs> we get this little uh, white boy disco music here. Uh, the match non-title. And we have a little bit of audio to listen to of the finish here. One thing I want to make note of, because I was cracking up. Uh, a lot of stuff happens, stuff's breaking down, and you hear Boyd Pierce mention that referee Jack Howe is on the scene now to help out. Jack Howe, the referee, comes out with no shirt on. For some reason, the, the referee's out there with no shirt on trying to help the situation. But let's now go to this audio of the end of this match, and uh, we'll hear what's going on. Ryan Blair into the steel corner post. Inside is off in the junkyard dog. You saw Akbar come on the scene. The dog. On top, but he literally lifts him up. Seeking out, but he lifted him up with all the punishment. I don't know whether you can see it or not. Rugged. Often seek of the Samoan Warriors. They're the champions, and look at the tactics they're using. They'll even hurt themselves to gain a victory. While on the outside, the crest falling. Ryan Blair unable to help his partner, the junkyard dog. Blair still out, being slammed into that steel ring post, and he's down on the cement floor. And the referee, Alfred Neely, takes a tremendous headbutt, and the dog is after them all. He's lost a partner in Mike George, injured. He's lost a partner in Blind Blair on the outside of the ring. Akbar on Alfred Neely on the far side, and Neely doesn't know what's going on, and he's the official referee. And in the ring, Alfred and Sika continue the punishment. And here he comes like the speed of light. It's Mr. Olympia. Mr. Olympia coming to the aid of the junkyard dog. There he's slamming Alpha and Sika and Skandor Akbar as Jack Howe comes on the scene. Mr. Olympia aiding the junkyard dog who had both men really working over there in that ring. He went as far as he could. And Mr. Olympia there. Now Alpha and Sika turn on the Mississippi heavyweight title holder. Ryan Blair still on the cement floor on the outside. There. The headbutt by the junkyard dog. He sends them sprawling. The dog and Alfred Neely. Alfred Neely called for the bell. He called for the bell outside the ring. Alpha and Sika. Alfred Neely raising the hand of Alpha and Sika, and he's pointing. He's pointing. That is the reason he called for the bell. Mr. Olympia 
coming in today to the junkyard dog and his partner Brian Blair who's outside the ring was disqualified. Mr. Olympia caused a team of dog and Brian Blair to be disqualified for outside interference as our time is running down. Offen Sika went on a disqualification. Next week, we'll see the return of Iron Mike Sharp coming back to Mid-South Wrestling. As Offen Sika helped Skander Akbar. That's all the time we have. So till next week, Boyd Pierce saying goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. And there it is. And, you know, an interesting thing we mentioned that they're putting Olympia over. He keeps winning. Here he makes the save for the Junkyard Dog. Brian Blair is really just a uh, a tool in the match. You know, he's kind of there to get knocked out and be on the floor and not be involved. Olympia makes the save, and now here they are. And, you know, for those who pay attention to long-term booking, they're aligning Olympia and the dog together right here. Yeah, they started right here, and you nailed it. Blair's out there because they need somebody to take a pin. I, you know, I, one of the things I thought of when, when I was rewatching this was, I thought I thought Boyd did pretty well here, you know, calling it. But this reminds me of later on in Mid South when you start getting uh, Jim Ross and Jr. comes in and Jr. on calls like what we witness here on this one uh, was what made was one of the things that makes uh, Mid South so much special, so much more special later on as well. Because things, I mean, things break down, and it, I, I thought Jy Jyd, I thought Jim Ross when things start breaking down, or or he really he really calls it good during his Mid South days. But yeah, I, you know, Blair's out there. Blair takes the pin. They're aligning Olympia with Dog, um, you know, and and. Boyd kind of teases, he teases it going off the air, the Samoans versus JYD in, in Olympia. So, you know, it leaves us with uh, leaves us with something to look forward to going forward. Well, that's where we're going to leave it with something to look forward to going forward next week, the return of Iron Mike Sharp. And uh, for those of you who hear that and snicker a little bit, Iron Mike Sharp was actually used pretty good in Mid-South. It's not like the later period he had in the WWF. Uh, so Iron Mike Sharp returns next week. And like I said, we're just kind of getting into things in 1982. Spring is coming. This is the end of February. This is February 27th, 82 that this airs. So uh, spring is coming. Things are about to uh, really start heating up in Mid-South. And uh, this has been just such a great run up to now. It's about to get much better. Yeah, it certainly is. You got the spring coming there. There's there's some things that are going into motion now where 82 will start to hit its stretch and 82 really goes out with a bang. I mean, I know we're still early in 82, but there's some really there's some good things that are that are in the works and it's uh it's only going to get better from here. Well, Mike, before we go, I want to let everyone know you could stay in touch with me on Twitter at Great Brian Last. You could follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts. You can follow the 605 Super Podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash superpodcast. The 605 Super Podcast, as well as all Arcadian Vanguard programs, are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you? You can stay in touch with me by going to Twitter, and you can follow me at Mike504Saints. Yes, I am from New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm a big Saints fan, always will be. So, yeah, at Mike504Saints. Facebook, the best way to get in touch with me is Facebook.com slash Booking the Territory. That is the official page of Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast, where we do two shows per week on, right now, Sundays and Thursdays. We do a Smoky Mountain show, and we do an NWA show as well from the mid-'80s and the Saturday night, uh, the old 
605 shows, Brian. Not that I'm trying to steal anything from you, but I guess that's uh, the best way to describe it. You know, everybody uh, knows it as the old 605. I'll call it NWA WCW Saturday night, though, from the uh, mid-80s. And uh, you can find us anywhere you get or, as the great Brian Last says, steal your podcast from. Just search Book in the Territory, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, when Stitcher's working and uh, and all those good places. And come check us out. Have some fun celebrating the classic days of pro wrestling. And that is about it, Brian. I'll throw it to you to uh, get us out of here this week. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Mm-hmm.